Today is May 6th, 2022. It's episode 193 of Maelstrom Radio. Maelstrom Radio. With your hosts, Gladys and Shifter. And welcome everybody to Maelstrom Radio. My name is Peter. With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Quentin. Hi, friend. It is Friday. Hello. I've been I've been invaded by the cat who yeah, jumped up in the all, middle of our yeah, intro. All, all, all like, of a sudden, surprise. sudden cat. Uh, and sudden uh, cat, yeah. also with Quentin, Alfie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and with us, uh, we have a guest. We do. Okay. And I, I didn't I, bring I, a cute cat though. I should have no, brought my cat. Uh, no, but I, was I wasn't to, intending to. I, I was told to do the fanfare I did earlier. So uh, with right, us. Rook! <laughs> That's <No>? me. <laughs> That's so good. That's beautiful. <laughs> I feel so regal now, really, honestly. <laughs> did, did you not have the... There's a list of titles here for her, too. Yeah, there are a list of titles. <laughs> what are these titles I keep hearing about? I mean... You want to go for it? <laughs> I thought you were going to do actually? that with the whole introduction. Uh, Susan's got your list of like all of your things here. So, yeah. <clears throat> oh no! Welcome, Brooke. Previously known as Bird of Chest, host, streamer, caster, creator, mm-hmm. focusing mainly on Final Fantasy and Guild Wars Two, ArenaNet partner, Aetherite Radio host, and Rainbow Arcade member. Yeah. And also, uh, shoot, I just missed. I was listening to it earlier today. I'm forgetting the name of your Guild Wars Two podcast as well. Oh, the Lightbringers! The Lightbringers, thank you. Like I was listening and watching literally today, and I'm like, why can I not remember this? My gosh, Susan, oh. the champion! I honestly thought you were just joking about there being a list and of. A great oh, no, no, there is truly is a list. <laughs> There's a list. Yeah, I we could have done like the quick list of Rook, doer of all things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Fusion also wants to add Mother of Dragons, Hoarder of Inventories, and second rebrand of her name. Mother, Thank you, yes. Mother of, yeah. mother of content. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, though. I'm so happy to be here. It's great to get to join you for uh, episode 193. You're getting so close to 200. Almost yeah, there. That's terrifying. <laughs> it's uh, six years, almost six years of Final Fantasy 14 and MMO podcasting. It's... Truly terrifying. <laughs> it's truly scary. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing that there's like, I guess, one or two things to talk about over the course of those six years pertaining to the game. Uh, you know, maybe you just kind of rehash those couple topics. Sometimes, yeah. I guess, we get new content, like an expansion drops or something. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, sh- short story. It's like, hey, best friend, you want to you wanna talk about Final Fantasy 14? Merlewood's cool. Let's just take Maelstrom as a thing. <laughs> Okay, having recently just done the all the rest of the job quests and finishing the Merle, finishing the Merle Veep one, I have to say I didn't think it was possible to love her more than I already did. She's best, but it did happen, and she is amazing. And you two, you picked the right, you picked the right one here to theme it after. Very good. Yeah, Very good. Uh, hard yeah. agree. Uh huh. Yep. 
Uh, other ones are pretty cool, but I mean, they can't. They can't stand up. No. 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 A big pirate lady can't go wrong. I hard yes, agree. <laughs> so uh, let's uh, let's do something that uh, we love doing when there's cameras here, and it's showing your desk smalls, your smalls on your desk. So Rook, what yes. what, what what cool what cool toys or knickknacks do you have on your desk? I mean, I, I have a lot of stuff right now that is just like piling up, but I think I have to go with my most recent acquisition that I'm very excited about, which are Ooh. that I never put I never put keychains on actual like bags because I'm scared I'm going to lose them. So I just keep them and prop them up. So I recently got this set of all the ancients. And if you flip them to the other <laughs> side, they don't like they, they don't have their masks on. So you have like masked and unmasked versions. And uh, I'm kind of obsessed with them. They're by... Cedra, Cedra, C dash D R A, uh, and they're so cute, and I love the way that she draws them. So that's my current. I mean, I've got I got a bunch of other stuff. But that's my current, I think, big one that I'm obsessed with. Cool. Nice. I, I, I actually do have one keychain that I keep on my set of keys, and it's uh, like the Square Enix official Final Fantasy fourteen keychain thing. It has uh, like pixel art of I. I want to say it's Alfie or Alphanomenphilia and uh, I can't remember the third one, but it's just a little tiny little pixel ones. It's the only keychain that I've ever actually used. All the other ones, same thing. They, they stay, they stay away. It's like you must stay pristine. You must yes. stay safe. This is forever in their It's packages. like stickers. Like <laughs> precious. <laughs> <laughs> The precious heart stays in the package where it should remain. <laughs> yeah. It's like I have all these pins and things that are over here. Go like Istinian, Graha. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get like a hanging pin banner. Although I did see recently they started making, although they've probably been out for ages and I just heard about them, like little bags that have almost like a plastic front in front of like a place where you can display pins and stuff so that like you don't have to worry about those. them falling off or get. Yeah. And I, I'm that because i might take that i just can't risk it otherwise i lost too many pins too many keychains by actually putting them on stuff uh, yeah i have like oh, i have a problem i have way too many pins and i don't use them so that would be perfect <laughs> uh susan, yeah you don't want to susan, susan has one of those purses where it's got the sheet in front that protects the pins so you could and then like it's like a clear so she can show off all her pins it's a good move i was it glad is. to see it it's a it's a good thing to have, especially if you like collecting all that kind of stuff. I like I spend most of my days anymore just like here in this room in general. So it doesn't bother me uh, having all my stuff here. But it would be nice at some point, theoretically, when maybe there isn't a pandemic. If that day comes <laughs> where I could take a bag outside and actually like show the stuff that I have. <laughs> Look at these. <laughs> <laughs> Look at these pins I got four years ago. Quinn's just showing Alfie the cat. <laughs> Alfie's like, I don't understand, human. Pat, 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 pat. <laughs> you laugh, but the year before all this happened, I bought a ton of pins and stickers and stuff, intending to like share them with my friends. Mm -hmm. So I have like dozens of pins and duplicates of pins and stuff that I was planning to give out during like fan fest and stuff. Now I'm just sitting on all of them because they're, yeah. <laughs> Alfie's just using them as toys, just batting them around the, the apartment. Alfie doesn't see the pins, thankfully. <laughs> you know, thankfully the pins, in theory, won't like 
um, you know, it's not like food that'll go bad, right? So whenever right. we're able to actually have a fan fest again, we can go, f- you know, you could bring them. You can like give them out to the people you wanted to give them to. So you can hold on to them. Yeah. The- hopefully, theoretically. Yeah. <laughs> Just hand them out like these were from the before times. <laughs> the before time. <laughs> yes. They're all carbuncles. Oh, Cute. Remember when those did things? Those remember these were also from the before times. <laughs> that was brutal. <laughs> carbuncles everywhere. I do. I feel so bad for carbuncles. The summoner rework. Uh, it's funny because I know several summoner mains who, of course, have a lot of feedback and thoughts on it. I think most people, the general consensus, and I'll have to see if you two agree as well, is that. The actual aesthetic component of the redesign is so great, and I actually think it does lean way more into the summoner kind of fantasy, if you will. But it does feel super awkward that it's just like, and here's the carbuncle. They um, they um, uh, they're they're here. <laughs> they exist. It's like you bring your pet to work day. It's like you're. It's like it just showed up. It's like, well, that's here. I gotta. <laughs> Like our pins, keychains, and stuffed things, the carbuncle is just for show now. Yeah, it's pretty like, much. It's like One Punch Man. It's like, whose small child is this? <laughs> He's Good so little boy. He does cast. He has his little his little thing that he does, but it yeah, does very much feel like the, like the little kid in the corner who's like, "Look, I drew this picture." And you're like, "Oh, thanks for the sh- thank you for the picture shield, Carby. Good job, yeah, great." <laughs> Put it up on the fridge. <laughs> It's like the, it's, it's like, all right, there you go. And it's like, it's like, good for you, kid. You did it. They're so cute. I guess if you're that cute, you don't really have to be good for anything. You know, you we just keep decide. our cats around. I was say, you just described half the scions back in like 2.0, so. Oh, geez. Wow. We've had a lot of burns just firing off here in the last like 10 minutes. Great. Just, just hot, all hot takes. <laughs> Nothing but hot takes. Well, let's, let's, let's get into what we did this week and then we'll, we'll get into talking about oh. all the things. This yeah. should go fast. It should go fast. You, you, did, you did a thing. <laughs> you oh, yeah. Went I went to a, a Renaissance festival on the weekend, which was really cool. And there was way too many people, but it was all outdoors. Uh, and I wore my mask because. Safe, and I tested afterwards, and I'm, I'm negative, so we're we're all good there. Uh, but it was nice to go out and see people and uh, meet some people, and uh, I got to wear some pins. I actually did wear pins. That that was it was exciting. I had three pins on because you know, uh, I was sitting in line for two hours waiting to get into the parking lot, and I had pins. So I'm like, hmm, I'm just gonna start putting pins on me and see where it goes. Uh, but that was pretty much my whole week. I did a little bit of uh, ESO. Just because it's around, but 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 yeah, it's. Uh, I, I while I was out at this this Renaissance festival though, uh, or the Ren Fair, uh, you were busy. I hear. I I was busy. Uh, so uh, had a busy Saturday. Uh, if you didn't listen to our last episode, uh, we 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 did a live episode. We interviewed Lemon Drop. Uh, so hi, Lemon Drop. <laughs> uh, rest of you were born in chat. Uh, so uh, I suggest go listen to that episode as well. Not now, but 
you know, when you get a chance. <laughs> uh, and also after that, uh, uh, Susan and I went to a Final Fantasy fourteen RP event. Uh, Lucky Sparrow, that it was on the Crystal Data Center uh, on Balmung, uh, did their their farewell, their final their final show, and it was great. Uh, it was super long, and what a showing! What a, like the audience that came out within the before the first dance routine slash song started, they capped out the inside of their house. Like they could not have enough people inside. So they had to take and set up the whole stage outside. That's how many people and they, and it capped out their yard. Like people couldn't exit the house. So we had to like have people exit the yard and go far enough away. So people, the all the, all the dancers could come outside. So uh, congratulations again to Lucky Sparrow. It was a wonderful event. Uh, we were it had a blast going there. If and if you can, I, we if you go to our Discord, there may be a small uh, a link to like a short summary version of what happened that night. Uh, but to give you a rundown, a super fast rundown, uh, they they do dance and lyrics to actual music, and they re- rewrite lyrics and stuff like that. But they do all the emotes, uh, truly scripting emotes in game, like almost breaking emotes. It's it's fascinating and complete dance routines i you know true it was a it was a blast just a blast and they deserved every bit of every person that came out there so uh congrats to you for five years and thank thanks again for all you did for the final fantasy 14 community so a lot of fun that's what i did i was always <laughs> so impressed by any of the groups that are able to do that like with all of the emote scripting and things and it's funny because i have a background in theater so like the idea of choreographing stuff is not you know like wildly baffling to me but when it actually came to realizing that people were using tools in the game to get so creative and do these other things and then i'm over here like i push buttons they mostly work <laughs> most of the time <laughs> like mostly i do pretty good i think uh, it just blows my mind what people are able to actually like put together and meticulously craft using the tools that we have in game. It was great to see them reword. Uh, and it was so timed well, like, like they did not miss a beat. Like the lyrics flowed perfectly with the music. Uh, and it was like IRL pop music, but they rewrote lyrics to fit Eorzea. So it was great. Like it was so good. So good. So it was a fun time. Uh, I I will. And if they do, I said in 20, I was like, I, I sent them a, 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 a messaging game before we before we took off for the night. I was like, when you do a reunion tour, let us know <laughs> so we can promote the heck out of it. So can't wait. Can't wait if they come back and do like a what well, we're back for one more. <laughs> so, well, it's time. It's time for interview. Rook. I won't do it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Please do it. Just the rest of the podcast. I mean, I can't speak to the listeners' ears, but I will be delighted personally. Wait till he adds it to a soundboard. Oh, I, I will do a clean, <laughs> clean cut of that, and that'll be on our soundboard. Yeah, I don't think so. you can get a clean cut, but good luck. Oh no, I will not. I, I'll just record it after. It's <laughs> like I will. I have the technology. I can do it. Uh, Sorry to veto it. No more. I thought we decided no more music sequences in MR. That's not a music sequence. That's fanfare. <laughs> it's like Prompto from <laughs> 15. <laughs> 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 
just like Propto. It, it reminds me of that. Oh, what is it? Like the Lamb? No, not Lamb Before Time. Oh my gosh. All this very different Jurassic Park. There's two very different dinosaur media, but it reminds me of the Jurassic Park uh, like meme where it's like. Bah, bah, bah. <laughs> yeah. Although I would love to see Lamb Before Time with the Jurassic Park theme. <laughs> It would be a very different story if halfway through the land before time you realized that they were all like they had killed all the humans that had once used it as a vacation island and were chasing down innocent children to devour them. It'd be very different. A pretty different movie. Sad, but for a whole nother reason. Littlefoot runs rampant in Sandals, Jamaica. all inclusive <laughs> let's, get, <laughs> let's let's get into it so rook uh please uh for people that don't know who you are can you can you, can you enlighten us of who you are and what you do on the internet <laughs> yeah sure absolutely uh hello everybody i'm rook aka rookery but spelled with uri so r-o-o-k-u-r-i I used to be Bird of Chess, and for a handful of years, uh, you could catch me under that name, but we just had a rebrand at the end of last year. Um, and I have always been, well, except for my very, very early Twitch days in which I decided I would be a competitive Overwatch streamer. Uh, I have, mm. despite that brief period, I have um, always been an MMO-focused content creator. So Final Fantasy XIV and Guild Wars 2 are the two main games that I do a lot of the foundation of my content on. And um, I just love them both to death. I love MMOs as a genre, though. So if I'm not streaming on my channel, usually two to three days a week, uh, I'm talking on the podcasts that you uh, so kindly mentioned earlier. So either the Lightbringers podcast or Aetherite Radio for Final Fantasy XIV. And then I also just do a, a bunch of other stuff. Just at the end of last year, I started getting into YouTube. So we started putting up lore content, playthroughs. Um, you can take wild emotional journeys with me while I salivate <laughs> over the ancients, which those now it should be all coming together with with the keychain choice that I made. Um, but I've even done stuff over there to make use of that theater and voice background that I have. We did a cover of Answers. Uh, and I've been very, very lucky to have uh, opportunities working with both uh, Final Fantasy XIV and ArenaNet, which does Guild Wars 2, um, either doing hosting opportunities for them or recently uh, Race to Worlds First casting, which I've been doing for fourteen. and just did for the ultimate. So I'm kind of doing a little bit of everything in many places, but always about Final Fantasy XIV or Guild Wars 2. Everything uh, all at the same time. All of it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Uh, with Over- Overwatch 2 coming out, you got any plans to come back to, to well, like one more time, just doing competitive? Don't tempt me. The thing is, <laughs> we just, we just, I don't need to, because we just got Crystalline Conflict in Final Fantasy mm, 14, true. and I had barely played PvP. I mean, I had, I had dipped my toe into PvP in 14, but uh, I had bounced off of it pretty hard and, and every now and then had the idea like, oh, maybe I'll play it. And then they did the revamp and then Crystalline Conflict came out and I've been obsessed and I can't stop playing it. And I've, so been, good. And I've been uh, casting PvP tournaments. And um, so, yeah, I think I'm pretty good with that. And given some of the context of other stuff with Blizzard recently, until there are some like really major changes, I just haven't felt totally comfortable supporting, unfortunately, a lot of their products. Which is just such a bummer because there is some really great stuff, but there's a yeah. lot of other things and great people that also work there. 
um, everything else aside. But yeah, yeah I'm not going to do Overwatch 2 yet. Thankfully, yeah. Final Fantasy had my back. <laughs> they released a basically Overwatch in 14. So it was good for me. Thank you, Yoshi. I uh, know <laughs> we we we. I think we both agree. Still, like like Quentin and I are big Diablo fans, and we were like, we're gonna play through all the Diablo games up till Diablo Four. Like, like we and then also like we knew Diablo Two Resurrection was happening. We're like, oh, it's gonna be great because that's like that's the game that like we both fell in love like with Diablo and like and all, like everything came out about Blizzard. We're like, nope. <laughs> so, oh, I know, yeah. and it's so tough because the thing is, is that. Everybody has to make their own call on it. You know what I mean? And we've talked right. a lot about this. It's like so many people have so many years of history, just like you were saying, you know, these connections and emotional connections to various, you know, time periods within Blizzard or, you know, different parts of WoW or um, different games or titles. And it's not like, yeah, I would never be like, hey, I know that this game means so much to you. Like, if you don't support, you know, if you if you yeah. uh, play the new stuff, then like, you know, I can't talk to you or anything. It's like, no, obviously, this is not the player's fault. You know, it's, it's not something that it's just so hard because I think so many people do love mm -hmm. so much. But then, of course, we have to always make those calls and. Um, you know, advocacy and mental health. And uh, you mentioned earlier Rainbow Arcade, which is one of the stream teams that I on, which, uh, am on, which is an LGBTQIA plus stream team. Like a lot of times those issues in the gaming space, I really try to keep like a strong eye on them. So like for me, it was just like, oh, yeah, no, I cannot do this. I like, yeah. I can't support it until we have really visible change, uh, which yeah. was tough, but you know, it's just what, it's just what happened. We were very lucky and, and privileged in that we don't, like blizzard games have never been our our strong point we did i don't even we might have streamed a little bit at some point of some games that it's never been a focus for our channel so uh even yeah. when we did do a, a brief stint as a variety streaming channel as opposed to 14 uh it, it was never really a big focus for us for, so it wasn't a huge change for us to, to suddenly just not stream them yeah um yeah but you mentioned recently i guess you've been doing a lot more casting recently most recent i think was the the race to world first with uh dragon song ultimate mm -hmm. how has that been like hey, i you've we talked about a little bit before stream and a little bit at the beginning of the stream with you are currently wearing so many different hats doing so many different things with content creation and now you're adding just one more thing into all of this how has that been it's been fascinating honestly <laughs> I think so many of us, we consume so much different media, right? We probably have watched esporting events. We've heard casters or we've listened to podcasts. We have watched streamers. Maybe, you know, we even have streamed for our friends. Like all the different contexts, making videos on YouTube, right? I mean, like all the different contexts of creation and or broadcasting um, are also unique. And I feel really, really, really grateful, honestly, that I have an arts background because it was one of those things where like adapting to many of those different roles felt very much like something that I had trained for. And, you know, it's great to be able to get your money's worth when you have a theater degree, a voice in theater degree. So, um, I mean, I honestly think I've been really lucky in that regard that like picking up on some of those nuances that other people might not is something that I, I have felt like I have the tools to be able to do. But even so, like learning about casting has been really eye opening. There are entire people who just like dedicate their careers. Um, funnily enough, talking about wow, right? Uh, we even had on this most recent Ultimate uh, World First race, various casters who are very much known for casting across the board in, in multiple MMOs and some who have the most experience in World of Warcraft. And right before Ultimate, I had been asked to and, and was able to cast for WoW's race to World's First, 
with mm. um, BDGG, Big Dumb Gaming Guild, because they were um, raising money for an incredible cause uh, with mental health support. And, um, you know, again, it's like when you see people doing good with a bad situation, you're like, yes, like, let's get in on this. And yep. uh, across the board, like the techniques, the things that you have to juggle when you're casting something like that, the sheer amount of knowledge. I was like an obsessive spreadsheet person because I was like, I don't know anything about World of Warcraft. <laughs> so I, I'm like, okay, what are so the you mechanics? You sound like you do. I know. I was like, what are the mechanics? I just at least know. I was like, somebody tell me some words that sounds like that's what a person that plays well would say. Great. I'm going to add those in for flavor. You know, what are the ways that people pick up cues to pass off? Uh, like the back and forth of live commentating versus something like a podcast. Uh, what information do players want to see? When do you know that you need to focus more on like color and flavor uh, exchanges or, or conversations, as I've heard people call it behind the scenes, or stuff like technical commentary? Uh, how do you deliver information to a wide audience that has a, a wide range of possibly even language, location, or experience levels within the game? So yeah, it's actually been really fascinating. I have fallen in love with it in a way I never thought I would. And I, I'm just really hoping I get more opportunities to do more because it's so fast. It is you just learn on the fly, you adapt on the fly, you never know what's going to happen. And uh, who you're paired with and who you're sharing the desk with also completely changes the experience uh, and creates some really fun moments. So yeah, I had a blast with Dragon Song. It, it's probably one of my favorite events that we've cast so far just because oh my gosh, that fight is unbelievable. <laughs> incredible. It's incredible. <laughs> I, it, I'm guessing it also helps a little bit you're, that you're familiar with like the content itself, like the source material. You're not like with WoW where you're like, okay, what are all these things called? Like you know Final Fantasy inside and out, more or less. Yeah, it's different. It's so funny. Okay, okay, okay. This is no shade to anyone that plays WoW. I want to be really clear because WoW rating has its own really unique things, and I actually had a blast learning about them. But... <laughs> I actually found it much easier to go from 14 casting to wow, because it's, you know, I was like, okay, so like, what are the cooldowns you're playing around? Okay, cool. And like, how do you structure? Okay, great. And you have more players. So like, how are you picking the lineups? All right. How does gear work? But I found that a lot of World of Warcraft casters that come to 14, especially for something like Ultimate, it is wildly overwhelming for them. And it really yeah. made me appreciate, I mean, one, how great a job they do, even just like keeping the hype going for something that when they look at the screen, they're like, I don't know what happened. But here it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, but it made me appreciate the sheer complexity of 14's mm. uh, endgame content in regards to mechanical performance and execution. I really think that 14 right now, and I raid in many different MMOs, so um, I really think that 14 right now has some of the absolute most complex, just straight up mechanical um, components of fights. Because I'd be like looking at the short, the little like, you know, spreadsheet that I'd made for like a boss. In, and of course, there's more bosses in a raid wing in World of Warcraft. But there'd be like three anchoring mechanics that, you know, you're going, OK, so what are the three things they're juggling? This, this, this. Cool. And then there's a lot of outgoing damage and healing versus something like 14, where a single phase of a fight is like five pages long. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, and then you move two steps to the right, and now you're going to move, range, stay out, debuff is out, everybody count to three, in we go, out we go. Like, it's a very different beast, but it's incredible to see how the designers do things differently and uniquely in the space. So. It, it, they really do. I, I, it, long time, World of War. Uh, World of War. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I completely agree. Like, the, the uh, when we... 
you know, before everything happened, we did play Shadowlands for a bit. We did raid it for Castle Nathria. So, like, a, a lot of the mechanics are very different because a lot of Warcraft thinks about the the size of the group and has people do specific jobs during a raid. Like, you're going to be doing this. And, like, the tank, like, the tanks will hold people. And then, like, so, like, when I watch World Raids for World First, they're commenting on like, OK, this is the section where like the, the DPS have to hold this these ads specifically right here or else it'll wipe the whole rate. Like there's a lot like that. You're right. Like where where Final Fantasy is very more mechanically driven. World of Warcraft's more like everyone's got a specific job during that raid and these phases and how it changes. Uh, very different. Totally different than and how everything and even and some of the ESO. Uh, I, don't know, I guess they're called raids or what they're trials. Yes, the trials. Oh, the trials in ESO are very different as well. Like uh, those are like, oh yeah, we're gonna do uh, uh, ultimate hard mode. It's like, what's ultimate hard mode? It's like, you'd like, oh yeah, you don't kill any of the ads, and like, like you just get spawned four bosses. You have to try to kill all four bosses. Like, what do you mean four bosses? What do you mean? <laughs> I know ESO is so interesting because like the range of difficulty is also pretty buck wild. Like. You get into a veteran dungeon, right? I remember I waited so long in ESO to do veteran dungeons because I'd heard that they were like the stepping stone into trials and what would be considered endgame in ESO. And then I went into one and I was like, this was easier than some of the normal dungeons I've gone into. What just happened? And then you do another one and it's like, we how we were in here for one second? How did we die? Mm -hmm. And you're just sitting there going like, what in the world? Uh, ESO is much more, it's kind of closer to Guild Wars 2 endgame in that it is just sheer instantaneous chaos. Like you're (laughs) dealing a lot of times with abilities that aren't even like single target oriented. So a lot of what you have is all like AOE healing, AOE damage. Of course, there is there there is a lot more complexity than this, right? There's there are certain things in build crafting and theory crafting that I think really add an extra layer. But like it is so much more like almost the in-the-moment awareness of the field. You have dodge rolls in those games, which also completely changes everything up. You know, like you see people halfway across the arena and you're like trying as hard as you can to just like throw out this like like spam your AoE heal like just to try and keep them alive because the outgoing damage is so intense because they know that it's just like a very different beast. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's like every single end game will have its own thing that it shines in and its own challenge and its own unique conception. It's just that in 14, I mean, like you said, it's, it is so like technical mechanical. And I had a lot of fun learning and wow about like, I think more of that like personal responsibility and the, like the way that the players specifically in the moment, especially because their gearing system is so bizarre. That was one of the things that really caught me off guard that like they were doing worlds first, but they had to keep going back simultaneously to old content just to try to get the gear that is an RNG drop to be able to be yeah. at the base eye level that the things were f- tuned for. And I'm like yeah. sitting there going, uh, what? Wouldn't you want to have the gear before the raid releases? Like, why do they release it like this? But it means like it is so much tighter mm-hmm. in a way as far as the actual like usage of your class and or like even sometimes raiders being benched because they just didn't get the luck of getting that set that tier piece that they needed that week so they're out and you got to get somebody else in who managed to get a drop and it's so different it's so different but uh it has its own challenge for sure yeah not having as much rng in 14 is very nice yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, ESO, ESO's got its own weird set of things, too, because, like, ESO, it's like, oh, oh no. you might... Well, no, it's not a bad way. It's like, they have sets, okay. and, like, 
And yes. like the way the sets work are just like, oh, you might have to go run this like old dungeon raid, and like if you get this whole set, it's like then you're like God mode. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, that's not as bad. No, it's it, I'm it reminds still baby, me. Yes, so I'm, I'm baby. <laughs> Please don't hurt. I'm baby. The gear sets in ESO are so cool. I actually really love them because if you have like X amount of pieces, they'll oftentimes add different passives or even like additional bonus abilities. There are some that like will summon little healing golems. There are some that like if you have them, uh, you know, it'll cause a lightning strike to hit down at you randomly or it'll pulse a heal or uh, it'll do damage reduction on your part. Like they almost add unique like passive abilities in a sense like things that will just happen as you go through um and or that like buff out a very certain play style or build that you might be working on it's it's super different i actually don't know many other mmos that are doing anything really specifically like that it's usually just Mm -hmm. that like you need all of these for eye level or some kind you know what i mean or like passive skill sets as opposed to yeah unique abilities it it reminds me of old school like mmos for sure like like Oh, like I like this belt summons a, a small ghost that helps me during battle. <laughs> like, yay! <laughs> yes, and sometimes from a role playing standpoint, it actually well because I do everything from role playing to end game. So, like, mm-hmm. it actually is really fun when it comes to role playing stuff because there are a lot of options with your class. But then you can also get a gear set that, like, I don't know, maybe you head cannon that this character, I don't know, it leans into fire magic or something. And so you get this whole set that has, like, this passive ability that summons this magma field or something. Like, it's really cool in that sense that it, I think, allows you to integrate various components of things to create your own sort of playstyle and flair. Yeah. I would RP a guy. I kind of feel like a lot of belts. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Belts don't exist anymore. Not in 14, but yes, <laughs> true. I, I think that's one of the things that uh, a lot of games these days are kind of missing is that like extra little bit of flavor that they can have with like every single item doesn't need to be geared towards end game or like um, like combat mm-hmm. oriented jobs. Like you can have like, we have glamour and stuff that look makes you look cooler, but what about the things that can do things like? I remember way back when I started playing MMOs like EverQuest 1, EverQuest 2, there were so many items that were just had cool effects. Like I, I remember spending hours and having like I still have memories of spent of like farming for this item in this haunted castle. And all I wanted it was because it made me look like a dark elf. <laughs> That's all it did. I mean it was a good it was a cool item, but it made me turn into a dark elf. And like we don't have those anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the closest I guess would be like in Eureka, they put some of those 11 like uh, nostalgia items, I guess would be the yeah. word. Yeah. Where like there's but those it's still just the glamour, dude. though, right? Yeah, well, one of them increases your base running speed in cities. Mm-hmm. But okay. I think like that's, but you know what I mean? I, I agree with you. I, I think that it would be kind of fun to have stuff like that or even to have additional cosmetics. I think they've always been very careful about the visuals that they cultivate in 14 in regards to like special effect weapons and armor sets even are usually like very specifically doled out for like relics or you know extreme primals or ultimates or uh as opposed to you know just like everybody getting to live their rainbow sparkle barf dreams but i would like some more rainbow sparkle barf thank you very much (laughs) i would love it if i got one that yeah made me look like you know i don't know some ridiculously cool entity or gave me a cool like 
make my stone or make my skin look like it was granite or I don't know, just something cool like that, that it doesn't have to necessarily be just stats. It doesn't have to be bis or best in slot. It, it just would be coolest in slot, fun time, extra rainbows. The, the only thing that I've been wanting, and I've wanted this for, oh geez, oh, probably close to 20 years now is just, just let me levitate. Let me hover a little bit off the ground. Like I don't need to, don't make me walk. I just want to hover. Just, I, mean, like a I don't. I don't want to fly. I don't. I don't want to fly. Just, 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 just a slight hover. That's it. I agree with you. <laughs> More hovering, honestly. Wait, I really yeah. like the idea of a cutscene where you know, like they do that really dramatic walk in a lot of the cutscenes in fourteen, and like all the characters come like walking across the screen, and you see them doing their like epic hero walk, and then behind it's just like. Floating T pose in the breeze is like the warrior of yeah. light. Why can't we have that? <laughs> also, love and drop a jet. I'm coolest in slot. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I think I. It's been a while since I jumped back into Guild Wars. I think Guild Wars does this a little bit though. They have a little bit more flexibility in terms of like having fun with character items. So I know that. Yes, they do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. Um, some would say a little too extreme. I personally don't think there's any such thing. No. Also, because like I think a fantasy world is a, is as fantastical as you want to make it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's never felt to me in Guild Wars Two that people. I don't know, look completely ridiculous unless they have really gone out of their way to make that happen. <laughs> and in that case, I'm like, you go for it because there's all kinds of wild stuff that you can do. I mean, all of the gear has multiple dye channels, so you can dye everything on it, the fabric, the metal. Um, you can like select and pick all of those. And all of the dyes are, a lot of them are like achievement based. There's rare ones. There's special like, um, birthday rewards for each year that your character, you know, turns over their creation date. Um, and all of those unlock character or sorry, account wide. So like there's really mm. special ones and ones that have like different effects or like a pearlescent effect or like a shadowy kind of effect. Uh, so you can do all of that. And then there's also on top of that, uh, actual like back pieces. So like we have the wings mm, in 14. Yes, the capes and the mm-hmm. yeah. backpacks, but we've got and... backpacks and wings and they're all like fully animated. So like if you yeah. have like dragon wings, they actually move when you like are moving or when you glide and stuff. Um, and those are all diable. And then they also have like infusions that you can put on your gear that create some kind of like additional like uh, magical effect on your gear. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it can get a little wild if you got like five infusions and uh, sparkle wings and the unicorn rainbow bow that goes like yeah. every single time you fire it. <laughs> the last the last time that we were playing a few months ago, we were just wandering around one of the zones. I think we were doing some of the the like eight equivalent type like zone events. Uh, yeah. Um just kind of messing around on stream, I think. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I saw this thing shoot out and I freaked out and I started Googling as much as I could. And I'm very sad that it's a legendary bow, but I found about the dreamer. And for the people who don't play Guild Wars 2, it's a shiny rainbow bow and it shoots rainbows and mm-hmm. it's just, it's amazing. And I wanted it and then I realized it's legendary, so I will never get it. There's a pixel dinosaur and I uh, fell in love with that. <laughs> I wanted that dinosaur is good. Yes, yes. It's, yeah, I, I want that at one hundred percent. I also, when I when I did play, uh, was a mesmer, so that doesn't work so well with the bows either. 
could probably do some kind <laughs> of build. Now, would it be optimal? Probably not. No. <laughs> but, you know, live your dreams. Do yeah. whatever you want. I have the power of rainbows. <laughs> yeah, the good thing is, is that there are a lot of good rainbow cosmetic items, uh, which does make Pride each year in Guild Wars 2 a real blast of a, a highlight of the Guild Wars 2 year. They do all sorts of, we do all sorts of marches and stuff in the game, which is a lot of fun, too. Um, but it is just... doing in a month. <laughs> it's like a literal <laughs> rainbow explosion in Guild Wars 2, um, which is which is great, honestly. I mean, we even just here in our most recent expansion, and I won't like give any really specific spoilers, but we essentially had a same-sex marriage in the actual main story, which was incredible. And it was, I cried like a baby, and it was beautiful. So, I mean, it is so interesting. And then, like, 14 as well, for being a Japanese MMO, does some things that are very progressive, other things where I think they are still learning on a larger scale what it means to have an international audience and like, you know, how they uh, across the board kind of push things there. But it's really interesting to just see uh, how different MMOs like, you know, handle a lot of things, everything from cosmetics to, you know, social commentary themes. Uh, diversity of character creation or customization, mm -hmm. like all those different things, right? Like, because they all reflect a lot of stuff. Um, and we have a diverse player base. So it's cool to see how MMOs kind of continue opening that up or where some, you know, can still continue to improve. It's, it's, they're, they're coming a long way. Like there's just, it's, it's, they have to like, it's no more like, ah, they'll just deal with it. <laughs> now it's just like, no, we, we have to change the times. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those, uh, shout out to, uh, Shout out to a, a, a oh man, I forgot the name. Uh, MMO. Uh, I forgot the name. I'll I'll I'll, I'll link it in in the show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, uh, their their podcast. I remember Bree, uh, who's the head writer for the the website, uh, was was saying, oh, you know, it's it, I appreciate old MMOs because they taught us what it was like to like give somebody your phone number <laughs> on the internet. <laughs> Back when it probably wasn't safe, <laughs> and then now for like now for them figuring out that also maybe like single player stuff is also okay, too. <laughs> like like and striking that balance. I was like very true. Like I remember like p giving people like my cell phone number, like yeah, hey, call me if this thing happens in World of Warcraft at like one o'clock in the morning. And now I'm just like, I don't know if I would give somebody my phone number. <laughs> Well, look at how many tools we have now, though, right? Mm -hmm. Like Discord. It's funny to me because I literally yeah. will tell people and family members now. I'm like, if you actually want to get a response from me and it is really like urgent or I don't know, you just want to make sure I see it. Discord. Use Discord to reach me because you can text me on my phone, but there is like a... Hmm, 50% chance I'm going to respond to it versus Discord, which I am like constantly cued into. It's actually so funny because one of the first friends that I made through gaming um, <laughs> um, lived in Britain. And I didn't know that international phone rates were a thing. Oh, no. And I did call him when I was about, I don't know, 10, <laughs> maybe it must have been a little older, 11, 12. And I did talk to him for two hours. And then I did have to uh, 
pretty much um, uh, sell myself <laughs> and all my chores and every single one of my um, like quarters that I would earn for <laughs> for uh, doing chores each week to back directly to my mother for I think a good two years for that two hour phone call. So <laughs> it was it was bad. Ah, uh, she was real mad at me. Yeah, she was really mad at yeah. me. So yeah. I didn't call too many people after that that I knew in game. It's really good that people nowadays have Discord to just make free calls all over the world and not have to think about these things. Yep. By the way, the, by the way, the it's the publication is massively overpowered. By the way, <laughs> shout out to them. And their podcast. Great podcast, by the way, if you want to know about all things MMOs. So. <laughs> Free plug. They get, they're nice people. They're good. Could have, could have, would escaped. Escape was not around back then. Uh, no. Uh, show of hands, who remembers? Uh, who paid for a vent or, uh, or not uh, Ventrilo or TeamSpeak server? Because I did both. Yeah, I paid for them. I might have paid. For, I think I might have later. Yeah, I paid for. I can't them. remember. I we also got free ones. We had sponsors back then. Oh, you got <laughs> sponsors? Wow, how do you get sponsors for? A, was it? Were you like it, doing? This was podcasting like twelve years ago. So uh, like pre Discord, but still in between. It's like two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Uh, we had a pretty big podcast with Rift, and we we did have some uh, uh, a voice provider. I think it was a free TeamSpeak server. That's so yeah. cool! Nice. Yeah, I didn't have that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was also a relatively early Discord adopter when oh, it was like, yeah. "Hey, let's go check that out." All right, hey, look, it's all free now. I, I mean, if you want to talk about early, like I remember when I we used to podcast on uh, Ventrilo. Okay. Uh, oh, Ventrilo uh, podcast. Uh, yeah, that wasn't uh, as bad. Yeah, it was better than Skype. It was. It really was better than Skype. Oh, <laughs> I think almost anything is better than Skype. I think like hand drawing pictures of yourselves and then writing a letter on the side and mailing it to one another is maybe better than Skype. Uh, like, take get a sticky notepad and just draw a stick figure me and just like. <laughs> flip it in front of the camera just repetitively. I mean, nowadays, that'd just be a VTuber. How come no one's VTube that? Just like a sketch of them just like... It just flips through. You know what? That's maybe too in-depth. Uh, so, uh, with... with uh, what I, I have to ask. Because I, I, I need to know. Uh, no. What is it like being in a video? You're in a video game now. You're... you're <laughs> <laughs> you've you've now reached the goal we all try to have honestly. um i still have moments where i remember that it actually happened and wasn't just like a weird dream um it's it, i yeah i actually uh oh my gosh it's actually very hard to put words to this so don't mind me while i babble incoherently for a second it's always such a weird mix of like I don't I mean I think we all know right when you do content creation it really doesn't matter how 
big you are in a conventional sense. Um, we all still struggle with the same doubts. We all, you know, have different areas of impact that we affect different audiences with. We all hope that in some way, shape, or form, we have contributed to the community and made people's days better in like any way whatsoever, even if it's like a single human being that was like, hey, I'm really glad that you did that and that you made something. Um, we all really hope for that. And uh, it's it's been kind of wild because... Um, for anybody who doesn't know, I just uh, had an NPC made of me in Guild Wars 2. And I really think that's a, a testament to the ArenaNet team more than anything. Um, even before I was, I, I even had the audience that I have now, um, ArenaNet really took me in and they have been nothing but kind and encouraging to me. Um, all of the people I've been able to work with at the company all of the, you know, my partner rep um, to their community manager, Ruby, uh, you know, it was one of those things where early on I had some opportunities with them and I was just like, okay, I'll do whatever it takes to just like get my face in front of them. Uh, I paid for like flights out to Seattle to, you know, uh, go to this premiere event that they had invited me to. And then I, uh, you know, flew myself back out for um, uh, the extra live stream that they do each year to help co-host that for them on their live broadcast. This was a couple years ago. And from there, I just really was lucky to get to continue to work with them in mental health campaigns to uh, do pre-show hosting and scripting out of story recaps of the game for their um, expansion releases. And like all of these things are just opportunities that they gave me because they enjoyed working with me. They thought that I was making a positive difference in the space. And they saw me even when, you know, other companies may not have and said, hey, we really want to foster what she's doing. So all of that to say, um, I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't expect that they would do it. <laughs> like, I mean, it just, it, um, blew me away. I, it blew me away. I had thought at the start of this year, I was like, um, they've put a couple nods to other creators into the game here or there before. Um, there's a location that's a peach tree that's in honor of Aurora Peachy, who's an incredible uh, creator in the community and somebody I look up to very much um, and really am lucky to know. There's uh, a teapot for Mighty Teapot. There's a couple little things like that. But um, I had said to myself at the start of this year, I was like, oh, what are next goals? What would be things that would be like, this would be incredible if this happened. Um, and I was like, oh, it'd be amazing if I ever got a tribute in Guild Wars 2. But I didn't think it would actually happen. And then I got the message um, from Grouch, who is uh, such an awesome guy, who actually started out as a content creator and is now the director of the game, which is incredible. Nice. Um yeah. And he was like, hey, the, the devs want to put you in the game. And I got up and then I went to my partner and then I scream cried. And then <laughs> I danced around <laughs> in circles in the living room. And then I went back to check the message five more times. And then I tried to just like keep it cool because I knew I couldn't tell anybody until I went live. <laughs> like, um, no, it was incredible. And uh, it was honestly just because that team cares so much about all of the people that promote the game. Um, sorry, that's kind of a long ramble, but um, I am never succinct, so that's not really out of character for me. But no, Neither I mean, we. good, excellent. That's why we all go and do podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, it was an incredible honor, um, and I still, you know, I bounce back and forth between like, did I even deserve this? And then also being like, wow, this is incredible. Um, this is just so amazing. So yeah, I'm incredibly honored that they did that. It was awesome. 
I think this goes right back to what Fusion said earlier is that Rook is always like, how can I be busier? And then she tries something and straight up kills it. Yeah. Like, I think this guy, this goes right beyond that. Like, uh, And Ruby is awesome. I've followed them since Guild Wars 2 first came out years and years ago. And yes. like, yeah, that whole team was pretty great. They are so good. Their, they are so wonderful. Their lore team was fun too. <laughs> they are just like, honestly, I don't know of any other game. Maybe ESO gets kind of close to this. Um, but, and I mean, 14's community team are wonderful, lovely people. Uh, and they do, they lurk around, they look at the community and stuff, but like ArenaNet in particular, like literally earlier today, one of the devs was just hanging out on the Lightbringers podcast and was talking with us. Like they are so down to earth. They, they are so supportive of so many things, um, and of many, you know, issues that many other games just won't take a stance on. And even when I've been in the studios, like the staff is so diverse and they are so wonderful and hilarious and humorous and, um, you know, really love their craft. So it's it's awesome. I think we forget sometimes the people behind our games. But, I mean, every mm. single game studio has that. It just feels very much like, yeah, ArenaNet really cares about, like, bridging that gap so that people, you know, they play their own games. You see them in game all the time. Um, there's achievements in game for, like, running content with devs. It's it's that's, just, oh, I don't that's know. That's awesome. It's awesome. That's awesome. That's that's Bungie level of fun, because I know Bungie always puts achievements in their games. If you play, like, a PvP match with a Bungie player, like, uh, dev, you get it like, oh, like, like killed the Bungie dev or whatever, like, something like that, or played PvP, or did, like, a, a PvE thing in, like, Destiny with the, like, oh, they did it even the old Halo days, like, that was that's always so much fun. And uh, I can actually attest to ESO because uh, our uh, good friend of the show, Tibian, uh, streamed ESO when he was on uh, medical leave. He was like he was letting his knee uh, heal up and he streamed it for the very first time. And it, and one of the community uh, uh, people showed up or like just like and Tibian was like, it what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, because <laughs> he doesn't know. He's just like, they rolled in. They're like, ah, it's just checking out your stream. And he's like, hi. <laughs> Shout out, Timmy. We're going to work fun. Now you're now, you're now an official ESF influencer. So <laughs> It's so special, honestly. Yeah. And I think more and more games mm -hmm. and companies are realizing how invaluable that stepping stone can be. And like a lot of it is, well, I don't know if anybody is out there and you're a content creator and, you know, you're looking at stuff like this. Um, I will tell anybody that like a lot of times those opportunities that I had are like getting something like this in a game. Um, a lot of it, it comes from both sides, right? Like one, the company has to be really open to actually realizing how important uh, both their community streaming, like keeping on top of social media trends, keeping on top of YouTube creators, um, creating opportunities for them to further promote the game and have farther reach. And, you know, um, even like, it's so interesting because right in like the 14 community, there's all this discussion and debate about various things like um, showing parsing and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff because there is no official partnership program for Final mm -hmm. Fantasy fourteen, And one of the things that's incredible about partnership programs like this is that when companies start codifying stuff like this and they create like clear-cut ways to apply or they themselves get really involved on a large scale in reaching like the full breadth of range of creators, um, they can then also very clearly communicate the best ways that those creators can support what they're doing. And some of those best companies will, you know, really clearly say like, hey, here are these things, you know, these are our rules. It depends on what you're doing. Some of them have contracts or not, depending on, you know, what you're doing with the partnerships. Um, mm -hmm. But like they can offer all these opportunities and then also like 
curate their brand in a sense. And like for anybody who's ever curious, like how do I start making the leap to form these kinds of professional relationships? I cannot encourage you enough to never underestimate the professionalism that you also put into those exchanges. You know what I mean? Um, take the opportunities to meet people and introduce yourself to people. Like conventions are big for that. Obviously, we haven't been able to. But with any of these programs, even applying, even just getting yourself out there. And then if you do have an opportunity presented to you, show them that you are reliable and prepared. It's so amazing to me the sheer amount of people, um, professionals that I'll talk to. Too. Uh, people I've worked with at Twitch, even for various events that they've brought me on to do, where they're like, you're the only person that read over the brief that we sent you. You're the only person that asked questions about the thing that we gave you a week ago. You're the only person that responded to our email and like locked down the times. You're the only person. And like, honestly, with ArenaNet, right? Like I said, those first couple ones, I took a risk. They said, here's an opportunity. And I was like, well, I'm going to scrape together what I can to go out there. And when I'm out there, I'm going to try my absolute best to be professional and respectful. I'm going to like show an interest and a passion for the game. And then that led to future opportunities where, you know, eventually we get to this point. Um, so it just goes to show that like, no matter what your size or range or whoever you are, especially when it comes to professional connections, like it's something that like you have, you can foster and control in a lot of ways yourself. Um, and that like putting forth a good foot with companies um, and like with the 14 question, right? Like I would just advise everybody, like if you really do want to have any kind of working professional relationship, unless you are a mega creator, you know, always adhere to terms of service, always like try to make sure that if you want to work professionally with these companies, that you are doing things that they would sign off on if they were to endorse you, because that a lot of times can dictate a lot of things behind the scenes that I think people don't even realize about. I didn't realize about until I started getting into content creation and actually working with companies, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it's almost like that line you have to toe because you kind of want to do your own thing, but you also want to still be... Recognize isn't the right word, but you you want to be working with the company, I guess, with that. And, and a lot of companies, and I think Fusion mentioned this briefly as well, like, Saying that like Square Enix being a Japanese company, a lot of that kind of probably is why we have less of a reach with the the community management team. And they've been doing a great job the last few years. Like compared to five, six, seven years ago when I started playing, like the community's team was at they were silent. I don't I don't think we knew who they were at that point, <laughs> unless you were having to be on the forums or something like you might see a name here or there now. They're a little bit more interactive in different places. They're they're creating memes on Twitter. They're 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 getting there. Um, yeah, and they're great. Yeah, like you just said, you want to be a professional, but also not a kiss ass. It's a tough line to walk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think I mean it depends too on what your goals are, right? Like, yeah. yeah. If you are a content creator and you don't care about really like you care more about doing your specific thing in the space, then that's very much a choice that you can make. Um, yeah. For me, I was always really excited by the possibility of being able to more directly, like, I guess, have a peek behind the curtain of the games I loved and be able to, like, bridge that gap between player bases and then the actual people behind the game, in a sense, and the, um, the experience that makes us feel truly like we are a part of something in, like, a bigger way um, than just a game that I bought and I boot up on my computer, you know? 
Um, and so for me, like I always had in mind trying to foster professional relationships. Um, and it, you know, it is funny because it, it has been tougher with 14, but we even just saw with the media tour this year, they invited far more creators than they had in the mm -hmm. past, um, which is yes, yes, you yeah. need to, you need to invite a huge range of creators. And I encourage everybody that like, go look for the lists of creators that were involved because I saw so many people that were just like, it's always the same people. And like the coverage was bad or I only like this person or nobody did any videos about lore or whatever it is. And then you realize that like most people didn't even look at more than two names off of the media tour list that See, were this, on the there. The two names that they recognize that they know and they ignore everyone else. Like, everyone else. Yes. Yeah. And some of that, too, is that like Square Enix doesn't officially publish, you know, like these are the people we invited to the tour. They don't actively promote a lot of that content either on their own yeah. feeds as well. So like it's it is so interesting watching them as a company start to grow and change in some of those mentalities, which is really hard when, as Fusion pointed out in the chat, it's like a huge uh, international company that's based out of Japan. Yeah. Like that adds a whole nother complexity between everything else. Um, but I think we are starting to see that more and more even Japanese game companies are realizing the power of something like content creators, which aren't celebrities mm -hmm. in a sense, but they are again, like a bridge between um, communities and oftentimes how many people are right. just getting their information about games now, you know? Yeah. And I, I, like, I, I think a lot of companies are still trying to do that whole like cost benefit analysis piece of like the more that they reach out and put themselves out there on social media and in these con like working with content creators, it's a little bit more risky because you get to see a lot more behind the scenes. It's a lot more personal. There's a lot more potential for like, well, like, as a content creator, even especially when you're professionally working for those companies, to be attacked, to be put it nicely, like things that they have to deal with. Um, it, it is a big risk for these companies to take on. And I think a lot of them, especially the older, more established ones like Square Enix and Blizzard and all like they don't they don't really want to have that sort of level of interaction as, as, to some point like they yeah. want the benefits they just don't want to actually have to deal with any of the the, the rest of it yeah. but a lot of the other companies you see like the smaller companies like ArenaNet or newer companies that try to come in and um they're they're trying to shake things up a bit i think like they try to have that more personal touch i guess mm -hmm. um having those community teams that come in and they want to interact with the players they want to do uh all these sorts of very personal my words are failing me tonight <laughs> I, you're you're seeing it a lot with like new mmo companies right like like the creators behind ashes mm -hmm. of creation they're going through and intrepid like, studios intrepid studios and and uh they're going in and and sitting down with content creators like right off the bat like before the game even is coming out because they know that's the the fastest route to getting other people on board, right? Like that's, you know, how, how do you get, uh, it's, it's the term we use at work. It's like the buy-in is the corporate word for it. Like how do you get people to buy into your MMO, especially early on? And it's through content creators, right? Like through, through people like talking about your game, like word of mouth in content creation space is huge because people trust us, all of us on, on the screen right now for our opinions and what we think about games and, and everything. 
<laughs> definitely not me, so I don't know which one of you is. So. Well, <laughs> uh, I got some hot takes about MMOs. Anyway, uh, so it's 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 very much that, or it, like you know, it's it's so it's interesting to see like the new take on 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 the mentality of like it's not us. The, the gamers or the content creators versus them anymore. It's uh, that cohesive back and forth between each other. Like we still want our personalities and we don't want them to, to force us to, to fit into their, their molds because we don't, we're, you know, we're not their employee, but also be malleable to like making sure that we're following their, what they want out of us. Like they, again, terms of service and everything like that. So, but it's, it's good to see. I like, I like the back and forth, like, more of it please like and please reach out to your podcasters we we do a lot of work there's a lot of us out there we would (laughs) we're still doing the work (laughs) it's a different form uh so uh to 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 you know to maybe step away and maybe talk a little bit about guild wars too uh you you when did you start your guild wars 2 journey like when when did you step into that world Jeez, it's funny. I've actually played 14 longer. So I I took a kind of whirlwind tour through MMOs. So I had never, I had mostly played single player games. Uh, for a long time, I didn't really have, uh, growing up, I didn't have like a computer that would allow me to play anything. My mom is the, uh, com- like, is primitive stone age levels of computer, you know, like illiterate. Uh, and had no interest in getting like actual machines that could run anything. She was also very opposed to gaming. So uh, I did a lot of single player games. I primarily played on PlayStation. And um, Final Fantasy was one of the first game series that I fell in love with because my dad and I would play it together. And um, it really made me realize what the impact of narratives uh, and what, you know, that a game could be more than just something you play mechanically, but that it could yeah. be something you experience. Um, and that's like a living story you get to be a part of. So um, I played mostly single players, and then I, as an adult, uh, finally got a PC capable of playing stuff. And what's funny is that I actually have owned Final Fantasy XI like, since I was, I don't know, like a young teen, but I could not play it because no computer I had would run it. So it <laughs> wasn't, I was like, I'll just buy this and mm-hmm. hope it works, and it turns out it did not. <laughs> so... Um, I, yeah, I came to actually post-college. It was like the year after I graduated from college. I finally was able to get a PC um, and start playing MMOs. So I went through like a bunch of them. I was like, okay, uh, you know, uh, my partner played World of Warcraft. So I tried World of Warcraft. And then we, I did Switch because I love Bioware. And then I did, and I kind of went through a bunch. And I eventually found Final Fantasy fourteen and fell in love with it. And I remember having a moment where I was like, do you think I could just like stream Final Fantasy? This is during those dark Overwatch competitive days. It's like, do you think I could just like stream Final Fantasy? And, um, you know, I had, I had been told like, oh, nobody wants to watch an MMO probably. And I was like, oh, maybe. And then I just kind of went for it after a while. And over the course of playing 14, uh, actually, a lot of 14 players said to me, hey, if you love 14, you would probably love Guild Wars 2. Um, you know, if you liked these story beats, if you liked these different components, you'd probably really like Guild Wars 2. And it has no sub and all this other stuff. So, yeah, I started to play that one. Um, I think it's been uh, four or five years. 
five years, I want to say. Wow. And I think I've played 14. I played 14 since Heavensward. So. Me too. Hey, seven years on that. <laughs> I don't know how long that one was ago. But um, Heavensward yeah. was, was like seven-ish, I think, right? Yeah. So those two, I just fell in love with them both. And I've been playing them side by side ever since because I think even though they do a lot of things very differently, they both have a grounding and basis in a, a lore rich world with mm -hmm. excellent storytelling. And they approach their storytelling in very different ways. Um, interesting combat, beautiful music, um, well written. Uh, and, and they shine in ways that I think complement each other. So, um, you know, like the open world design in Guild Wars 2 is so phenomenal. And 14, a lot of our cinematic, you know, storytelling beats and and the uh, end game PVE, just like incredible. So like there's a lot of little components that either one just kind of balanced out for me. So I've played them both since. Yeah. They're very, very, like very complimentary games. They work yeah. very well together. Especially like 14, you play through it, you kind of get to a point where you're like, well, I don't really know what else I want to do. And I don't feel like grinding the same dungeons every single day. Let's go do something different. And there's a million and one things to do in Guild Wars 2. And then... You don't want to do that. He's like, they work very, very well in that they are very different. And they both have jumping similar. puzzles. <laughs> and they both have jumping puzzles. Although they do. Guild Wars 2 jumping puzzles are chef's kiss. They're so good. They're very good. They're so very good. good. They're incredibly good. And they've got really good rewards and like all kinds of achievements and all sorts of stuff for them. There are some that are like some of the hardest JPs I've ever done in an MMO in there. Mm -hmm. Like, Kagani mm -hmm. Tower, you took me a long time and it was a great victory when I finally defeated you, but at the yes. same time, you got nothing on Chalice of Tears in Guild Wars 2, which is like, it took me, I, haven't I seen don't that yet. even know. <laughs> like, it is literally a jump puzzle that has you wind up the side of a volcano, go into the volcano's caldera, jump puzzle through falling lava over a lava pit that will kill you around the edge of the top of the volcano all the way up to this like little tiny like it's so intense it is one of the, it is i think usually considered one of the hardest in the game um but yeah they do they nail it with that and yet now i want to try it <laughs> yeah it it makes you I've done like, like the easy um, ones yeah, in, like, in guild wars 2 let's let's do it let's just <laughs> Get there, dude. I, I, I love uh, the Mad King uh, during Halloween. I like that jumping puzzle with the tower because the tower, like, it's everything is spinning around the tower. So the jump puzzle is the spinning bit, but that also, the, the tower explodes out and it, it can knock you off and it changes the jump. <laughs> so depending on what part of the thing will be like, you if you're fast enough, you can get up the one way. If not, you can jump inside the tower if it explodes and go up a different way. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. yeah, it is wild, and it's on like that timer where the like goop is all rising underneath you. That was actually, I think, one of the earlier jump puzzles I did because I must I must have done some of the very basic ones before that. But then I came in and I did the event, and I I am so bad at jump puzzles. Like I'm so bad at them. It was a disaster. I think I got it the next year. It, it might be that year. Maybe that year. But it took like multiple streams and hours of work. And it was so hard. You get to the end, you're like, I rule, pumpkin man. <laughs> uh, I, that, that one is definitely not my... Uh, 
my favorite of the the events that I've done in Guild Wars Two. My favorite still is the April Fool's Day one. The yeah. now which one? Do you mean the uh uh oh my gosh the like sort of eight bit inspired one or do you mean yeah, the one. like seasonal? Yeah 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 yeah. Super yeah, Adventure Box is really Super fun. Adventure Box. That's the one. Yeah. So well, I first started playing Guild Wars Two when it came out. So I like way 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 back when. Uh, and I played it for the year. So I did the first Super Adventure box when it first came out. And that was amazing. It was like that popped up. I'm like, this is this is incredible. It's great. Uh, and I haven't really played it a lot since. Like I've hopped back to Guild Wars 2 a few times. I finally beat like the base game uh, last year. So I haven't done any expansions. And I saw the living stories are coming back. So I, I might have to pop into that soon. Uh, but yeah, so that, that was one of my first like big events with Guild Wars 2 was... Super Adventure Box, and yeah, it's pretty memorable. That's a good one. Do we have? There's a hint that next year we might be getting the fabled next world. So I am Ooh. like very excited. And for anybody who's in our 14 fam who has like no idea what we're talking about, Super Adventure Box is like a seasonal festival in Guild Wars Two, but it is like Minecraft meets Mario. It's really yeah. hard to. Yeah. It is like they have their own maps. Like there is a yep. whole achievement system. It's kind of like Eureka slash Boja in the sense that it is like its own independent content with its own maps that you go into. But it has all these like different jump puzzly things and all these different like items that you can like save up currencies for to buy that then you can use. You could like dig for treasure in all the maps. It has like it's all 8-bit style. Um, there are these bosses you can fight. There's a challenge version of it, which is actually ridiculous beyond comprehension mm -hmm. like where you are trying to like jump off of a thing onto one tile and everything else is an insta death kill zone <laughs> like it is it is actually hilarious and there are these different worlds as they call them these different maps and they kind of have this little like mario-esque save the princess sort of narrative kind of thing with it um it's super fun uh, and yeah, it's it coincides along uh, a lot of times with April Fool's Day. Although we also get mm -hmm. unique April Fool's events usually. Sorry, we have a siren going by. The city <laughs> of Chicago singing its song for you. Um, but yeah, it's super fun. It's super fun. Uh, I was gonna say like if uh, for someone who hasn't in our audience hasn't played like Guild Wars Two, for example. Super producer Susan, uh, what, <laughs> uh, like, what could you tell them who's never who's never tried it? Would you feel like would you tell them like, oh, it's not overwhelming, or is it easy to get into, or it's hmm, it's kind of like Final Fantasy fourteen. Uh, the core game is the slowest part of the experience. Uh, there's a lot of stuff, although both games actually just came up on their 10-year anniversary. So we had Endwalker and End of Dragons. They're very distinctively different. I'm not concerned about, you know, like anything with that. It's just that they both uh, were reaching the culmination of 10-year story arcs. So I think that end worked its way into the title. Um, so both games right now are having to do a little bit of like retroactive polishing and cleaning on early game experience, um, which is very much the case with Guild Wars 2. One thing that I'll say about Guild Wars 2 is that it's there's more than meets the eye like transformers but in the sense that you just have to give it a shot 
It does things so differently than other MMOs. Final Fantasy XIV evolved out of Final Fantasy. It evolved out of other MMOs like World of Warcraft that were setting certain precedences, which we know they drew as an inspiration. It evolved from Eleven and the precedent that Eleven sent uh, a set. But Guild Wars 2 evolved from Guild Wars 1, which in and of itself just did things very differently than most other MMOs at the time. And Guild Wars 2 is no exception. You'll get into it. And I got into it coming from 14, right? And I was like, is this it? Like, what is in the story? And like, I guess the combat's fine. I don't know. Um, I've got so few skills, though. Very few skills. <laughs> like, and lo and behold, no, it's actually incredible. Um, it's very much a game about uh, fast-paced, action-oriented combat. So again, contrasting 14, which is much more that dance, that, you know, playing around the cast time and the cooldown and that little bit of server lag that we have that lets you do spell sliding. Um, it's very much like a scripted dance. Guild Wars 2 is like everything's on fire and you're dodge rolling desperately to survive. And then uh, a monster locks you into place with a whole bunch of vine tentacles. And then you're trying to smash your button that'll free you from CC. Like it's very much, it is like a much more chaotic experience, but it's all about like build crafting. You have a massive amount of skills. You have these multiple like branches of evolutions that your classes can take. Um, you have a bunch of weapons that you can equip, all of which have their own unique abilities and can contribute to your builds and weapon swapping in combat actively is a part of how you play the game and how you do rotations. Um, it is very much like a wild, wacky experience. And I think it's one of the games that has shown the most growth over time. 14 has been a very consistent experience, even with you know things that they're having to go back and polish and change. But 14, I think, has always held itself to like, a very specific kind of standard, and they very, very clearly built off of a lot of what they've done. And, you know, we get new ideas, and I think they always do a great job, but it's very consistent. It's very reliable. Guild Wars 2, they, like, innovate just all out the wazoo. So what you do in the beginning of the game um, will iterate and evolve. And, I mean, End of Dragons, I really think, was actually, for a game that's been out for 10 years, the best expansion they've ever released. It culminated so many of these incredible experiments, ideas, storytelling vehicles, open-world experience, all these things that are so fascinating about the game. And I think we really are entering a new golden age for Guild Wars 2. Um, but you have to kind of like buckle in for the ride. <laughs> you have to let yourself get through that base mm -hmm. game. You have to give yourself like the time. Yeah, like you have to give yourself the time to understand the complexities, ask questions for things that don't seem as upfront because they might be outdated systems or, you know, stuff like that. And like I said, they're polishing right now. So like they are going back and streamlining various parts of the experience as well um, for new players and looking back at 10 years and, and Steam release this year for Guild Wars 2 is coming out. So yeah, yeah but patience. But yeah. it has a lot to offer, and it does a lot of things differently that I think will surprise and also delight you. And there's no subscription ever. And all yeah. you ever, like, the base game is free. The expansions are dirt cheap. They are constantly trying to find ways to make it more accessible. There's no pay to win in the shop. Mm -hmm. um, and yet, for that, they deliver content on par with the major AAA backed studios and um, MMOs. And it's a, really, it's a real testament that they're still in the space and they're doing their own unique thing, so... And, and I think that's a really important thing about the cash shop. Like, there is no pay to win, but there's still really cool stuff in the cash shop that you want to buy to help support them as well. Yeah. Like, uh, the what is it? Is it the salvager in the game? What, whatever the thing that allows you to like decompose items into materials, like that is worth its weight. And yes, it is. Gems. <laughs> but yeah, I, 
there are things that are actually very, very useful. But like you said, there's no pay to win. You can play the game completely free, no subscription. It's almost like one of those questions like, well, you have downtime in 14, why not try it out? Yeah. Straight up, that's what I say to people. People will be like, is it worth it? Should I try it? And I'm like, you literally will lose nothing. <laughs> like, yeah. you, will, you won't have to pay anything. And it is, it's like 14 in that sense where, yeah, like you say, don't judge 10 years of an MMO on just the core game experience or like the first two hours you might have playing it. There's going to be so much more for you down the road. But like, again, just like the free trial in 14, the amount of a glimpse that you can get into the game, uh, you know, the follow up research you can do on streams and stuff. And the fact that there's no subscription. Yeah, it's like why you're you literally are risking nothing. You can just download yeah. it and try it like, and just see what you think and look up stuff to see how the game has evolved or what kind mm -hmm. of content you can expect down the road, you know? Yeah. It I I think we I think we've said this before not not only like on our on our show but also like in our Discord because uh, like again like shout out to Tibian uh, <laughs> like because he was like wait is ESO like actually like a Elder Scrolls game we're like yeah but it's like just like an Elder Scrolls game but in, like MMO form and he like he went he's like people told me it wasn't like no go ahead and try it it's like just you have downtime in four, fourteen go try it and he's like this is like an Elder Scroll <laughs> he was so happy he was so because he like grew up playing those games and he was like shocked and had a blast and like yeah. so it's you know like we say here final fantasy 14 you know if this is your jam awesome and if you could fill your time with it awesome but also if you have downtime in final fantasy 14 there's other jams <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like, I mean, Yoshida-san himself encourages players to try other things and take time away from the game. And so much, I get asked a lot, like on streams or elsewhere, like, how do you avoid burnout in a game? And like, literally what I will tell people, whether or not you are a content creator, is like, if you find yourself logging into the game and you're like, oh, I don't even know what I'll do. I guess I'll do this. And, you know, over time, that's like, oh my gosh, why is there nothing else for me to do? Or whatever it is, maybe you even just want more of a perspective because MMOs as a genre are, it's one of the types of game where what is happening in other MMOs affects the entire genre and or future expansions and or development of the MMOs, even the ones that you love in a way that's so direct. It's so influential, right? They are fighting over the same subscription bases. They are fighting mm -hmm. over, you know, delivering the same kind of experiences. They, all this kind of stuff. I mean, um, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> don't want to say, uh, these games obviously build off of each other all the time. We had yep. the great debate about Shadowbringers, Shadowlands. We had, you know, all these things. <laughs> Um, the newest expansion that they just announced, Dragonflight, with World of Warcraft, they, they literally copy-pasted some of the mount systems from Guild Wars. They sure did. <laughs> but <laughs> like, <laughs> they, they really did. And I was like, but that's what Blizzard does, though. They look at systems and are like, hey, I think we could do that, but we could probably do it our own way and maybe improve on it. And that's fine. Yeah. Like, you can't yes. say Final Fantasy didn't do that with World of Warcraft. They're like... I like what you're doing there because Yoshi P made the team play it <laughs> like, hey, play this game. We're going to we're going to take their stuff because it's good. <laughs> exactly. And like the thing is, is that I think as MMO players, we oftentimes can get a greater appreciation of the games we love, as well as a, like a clearer idea of how they can continue to grow in a space and a genre that is influenced by so many other things. If we do try other games and play other games. Um, when I first started streaming both Guild Wars 2 and Final Fantasy, I had so many people constantly asking me, which one do you like better? 
Which one is your favorite? Which one do you like more? If you could only play one, what would it be? Why don't you only play one? And I was just like, uh, nobody asks me anymore because I think I just talked about it so much where I was just going, I like them both for different reasons. And I love and appreciate and value what they're doing. And I think they have strengths and weaknesses. And I think that like all the MMOs I play, I play a lot of ESO as well. I grew up playing those games, uh, the Elder Scrolls games too. And unfortunately, ESO is the only place that you can get any ongoing Elder Scrolls content because the new game's lost to the abyss. So <laughs> you can get another version of Skyrim. We're getting space Skyrim soon. Don't worry. <laughs> so it's just, I mean, the thing is though, I feel like my understanding and appreciation of the games I play is deeper for knowing what they do so well in this space, um, for knowing where they can even continue to grow and then getting to celebrate those, um, getting to discuss them. And a lot of times we just like have a tendency to like burrow down and hide our heads in the thing that we love without really like paying attention to the bigger discussion and a lot of the other things that I think are really interesting about this genre of game um, and also give us deeper insight into the development of the games that we love. So that's why I like to play or even dabble and try a lot of MMOs. And then I have the ones that I know, like, I'm committed to you for life. I'm not going to leave you. I love you, you know. <laughs> but um, it definitely gives me a broader perspective. Yeah, it's and I, I know I know for people starting out in MMO is very daunting. It's a very daunting task. It's like there's so much stuff to do and what do I do and and how do I where do I go to look up the things and like I am very much a person it's like do not look anything up just log in to the best of your ability and 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 try but ask the community ask people in game the people in ESO are very nice. Like they're very helpful. Like they am like, how do I, I actually typed in the other day. I'm like, how do I find this? Since I was like, follow me. I was like, okay. <laughs> Thank you, friend. I mean, Quentin knows I made a friend with a deer in a different MMO one day. <laughs> shout out, shout out to project yep. Gorgon. <laughs> It's true. I mean, I find that for me, the best time to start a new MMO is like when the MMOs that I love are in like a patch cycle or like a lull, you know, where you're not like trying to crunch through or make this decision like, oh, but all this new stuff just came out and I'm trying to play, right? Like, you know what's out. You've probably played it. You've sampled the stuff you want to the most. Um, because the most intensive, like time intensive point in an MMO is when you're starting it, usually. Like some MMOs yeah. will be more or less demanding. But like I remember when I started Final Fantasy 14, I had this moment where I, I like asked, I don't know, I, I guess I was just looking online or something and I went, wait, how many quests are there in, in the game thus far with like Heavensward? And I looked at it and I went, yeah, oh, <laughs> I was immediately just like so overwhelmed. It was inconceivable to me that I would ever be like current <laughs> in like the current, you know, quest mm -hmm. that had just released or whatever, um, the current patch. Uh, but you do get there eventually. And so uh, I usually try to like introduce or time stuff around that. I'll look at like what are the major releases for the expansions that I'm playing. And then when I know like, hey, I'm going to have a little bit of breathing room. Hey, about this time, we should feasibly be done with Prague on, uh, you know, the Savage tier. Hey, around here, like I could probably pick up another game and play it. And honestly, that's probably going to be better for me than just logging in every single day and then just being like, oh, I don't want to do more of this or, you know, like, it just I don't yeah. know. It keeps things fresh. It really does. I, I think to add on to that, too, like a lot of people say that the best time to join MMOs is right when they drop new content. 
like when a new patch comes out in Final Fantasy, when a new expansion comes out, like to me at least personally, I find that almost like overwhelming because not only are you trying to catch up, everyone's off doing all the new stuff, and you're just sitting here being like a sword. <laughs> Wait, I can equip the shield? <laughs> like, yeah. you have no idea what's going on, and there's so many people, and there's just, I think there's just almost too chaotic. So, like, I think, like, what you said is right. Like, focus on if you have a main game. When there's downtime from that that you aren't feeling like playing that, regardless of what's going on in the other game, like, that's the time to hop into it rather than waiting for the expansion, waiting for the next big thing in that game to hit, because it's, it's a lot to jump into. That's actually such a good point. I, I hadn't even thought of that. But yeah, you're totally right. Like, there's always a rush when something new is coming out in an MMO. And yet, like you said, I think that's probably the least new player friendly. The one good thing is that a lot of people who maybe were taking a break come back online. So there are just a lot right. of people online. But when I think about the amount of times that as like a new player, I've come into a game. And if it's a part where there's like a lull or something, literally so many veteran players are excited to just run around with you and do nothing. Like they're, they are happy to run around with you and just like escort you from point A to point B while you get the shield to equip with your sword, you know, um, versus like when there is new content, when like, they're going to be wanting to play that they'll probably have less time themselves to want to like invest in what you're doing. Not that players won't, but just that Mm -hmm. like, it is interesting because I think it's almost the reverse of when it's actually the best to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it all, like, I completely lost what I was thinking about. I, I think it also comes to, I know I was going to say it also comes down to those, those lull times in those games are, are absolutely great times because that's when you find like the guilds that are like wanting to help new players out and stuff like that, where they're not like, Oh, we got to do the end game stuff, like the stuff that's new because we're all going to do it together versus, Oh, Hey, you know, those are the people shouting in chat, like, Hey, we're, we're taking on new recruits and help want to help learn the game. And that's where you find your people and then your communities in those games, which is great because then you start meeting new friends and you enjoy the games. And then they find out sometimes they play the other MMOs that you're playing as well. They're like, oh, yeah, I play Final Fantasy 14 as well. Or, oh. <laughs> and you're like, and then you find sometimes they're on the same server. And then like, and then it's just, oh, great. And, and like, like uh, in like ESO systems, you have a five guild system. You can join five guilds in that game, which is great and then final fantasy system where you have the multiple chat rooms and oh. and, and and final fantasy oh. twitter a built-in game and <laughs> i so desperately desperately hope that with like data center travel and world visit and everything else that we've seen as an expansion in the game that at some point within the next handful of years they have a lot of other things they're working on and those are like much needed and very good things and i'm really excited about like the graphical updates but we really need an overhaul of the social systems in this game like We need free companies to be something that's not world specific. You need to be able to have your buffs when you're visiting a different world or data center. Like you shouldn't have to like have a fellowship and a free company and like, you know what I mean? And a link shell and uh, you should just have like a fellowship posting board as a part of a free company to be able to like announce and talk about your events you should be able to invite people to a free company or as a friend when they aren't online like 
it's just baffling to me. Every other game I play, you can send an invite when someone isn't online. You can look them up no matter what server they're on without having to have them on your contacts list. You can, like, instance into their world. You can be in five guilds. You can be in, like, it's, yeah, it needs an update. It needs an update. Uh, I can say, what was it, like, episode 22 or something like that, where we did the whole, like, dear, There's dear, been multiple e- episodes. dear SE, this is how you can fix the, the, the FC system. We did a whole episode way early on, and everything you just said is what we said during that episode, and that was during yeah, Heaven's Ward. <laughs> I say, minus, minus, the, the, minus the cross-world stuff, because that hadn't all been announced. That but, hadn't like, been announced, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Everything else. We were just like, oh, and the biggest thing even then was like, can we please have an in-game calendar that we so we can schedule? Because that's the biggest thing that World of Warcraft has. And I was like, how come they didn't steal that? Like, that is such a genius. Because you could schedule things with your your guild in World of Warcraft and set timers for people. And like they can and it's all in-game. And it's like, hey, we made the phone app. <laughs> you guys have phones, right? And uh <laughs> we made the phone app so you guys can do that through the phone. Nobody uses it. <laughs> We've tried scheduling things through that. We just got a bot for Discord and those people do it that way. And I was like, why? Like, just please add it in game. It'd be so much yes. easier. We really, like, we really need it. And it's so weird when they make these, like, additional little disparate systems. I mean, obviously, uh, the, oh, oh my gosh, I just said it and now I'm going to forget. The Fellowship. Mm-hmm. The Fellowship stuff, when it came out, um, it's like, how did you even think this is going to function? Like, you couldn't even alphabetically search for names of fellowships. Like, people had to, like, post up these specific weird recruitment windows. But again, you couldn't just search for the name of the fellowship. You had to, like, go to the tab and, like, scroll through and maybe it was on there. or Maybe the invite window had already expired uh-huh. or maybe it was... So, I mean, yes, it is something where I think we see more and more those divisions and the prohibitive problems with that. And as the player base continues to grow, we can, you know, are getting more data centers, more servers. We had the big, you know, ether crystal split, which I think really illustrated this. The fact that people were having to make these decisions like, do I stay here because my raid group is here? Do I stay here because my social FC is there? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's tough, too, because like. I have a lot of friends that I made in this game that like were playing the game before we became friends, right? So we all have these like disparate little FC groups and bubbles and all this stuff, but like people don't want to relocate because then they're going to lose their house. And it literally took them two years to get a house or whatever it was just because they couldn't get a plot. Um, People don't want to like consolidate FCs because like, oh, we've had this one for years and like sure, like two people play, but you know, it's like we want to have Mon here and. So, so much of this was so liberating for me when in other MMOs, like like in ESO, for example, I was like, okay, what are my interests? All right, I want to craft furnishing and do housing. So I found a guild that does that specifically, and that could empower me specifically in that regard. And then I was like, ah, yeah, I kind of want to do trials. So I guess I'll join this one that's all about trials and stuff. And then I went into that one. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I need one that's like for selling stuff because, you know, I want to make money in the game. So then I got a trading guild. Yeah. Like, And lo and behold, between all of those, I've never felt like I'm having to make these choices where I'm like turning my back on friends because of some weird arbitrary delineation of something I might want to do or like, you know, a world I may or may not want to be on or a data center that I'm not a part of. So, yeah, I hope they update that alongside everything else, because uh, there's a lot of room to grow that. We truly, truly. 
Oh, Guild, uh, Game on Brad says in chat, Guild War 2 allows you to join five guilds at once. I really see it. Like, Guild Wars, same, same system. It's a good system. Just let people join multiple things. Let people have fun. <laughs> Except I, I feel like they took fellowships from ESO's guild system because you also can't search for guilds by name in ESO. No, you cannot. Yeah, that's something I think they are it's working true. on. Yeah, they are. <laughs> yeah, so that's the one thing. It's like, please just give us that. <laughs> please just great great that they're like you can join multiple like how do i find it <laughs> mm-hmm. and the community finder that they added for 14 is a great tool but one of the things that i learned while working in public libraries is that you can have all the information and resources in the world but if it is not the most in front of your face easiest mm-hmm. thing that literally just happens along the task that the person was already doing they will not engage with it they will not seek it out they will not use it they will probably not even know that it's there even if there are five television screens and flyers in front of them that mm-hmm. all say this is a thing that you can l- use learn or do right so yep. any time that we have stuff that is outside of the game itself even some of the sub menus in the game which are confusing to navigate but like anytime it takes you out of the game to make you like open that extra window do that extra thing you are already losing 50 percent of the people that would click that you know what i mean yeah. they they might see it on the login screen but they're like man eh, so whatever who actually like looks at those things unless it's some really cute new merch item or something new on the mog station <laughs> you know what i only mean only time the only time somebody goes there it's like it's that glamour <laughs> or for me for me it's like is that a payas amount? <laughs> Nightmare fuel. I and I think <laughs> this is one of the things that I struggle with a little bit because one of my first MMOs that I played was EverQuest 2. And of every single MMO that I've played to date, it has the best social features still. It really does. It had the cross-world chat system that works very well. It has no limitation. Like it doesn't have that same sort of like chat. Uh, did it have private? I think it had private it, channels. It did. As well. you could it add. did have private channels. All cross world, all of that work. It was backed by IRC, so it it worked. You could actually used to be able to connect to it from outside of the game. Yep. Uh, but like they had all of that. They had guild tools. You could put comments, promote members, all the same stuff you can do in Final Fantasy, but easier. Mm-hmm. Um, custom ranks, custom everything. You could have multiple. They had guild a calendar. Leaders. They eventually added in there. They had events. They had guild achievements. So like if you did something, I, and I think a few other games have this now too, but like if you, you can have an achievement for doing a thing, but if you did the thing with your guild, you'd get special achievements for it and stuff like that. And special housing items uh, for it too. Special housing, yeah. special yeah. all of that. Like all of the social stuff and like guild finding, for example, they had a beautiful guild finding system. They had so many things that you could search for and the interface to search them was the same interface as the guild window. So if you weren't in a guild, you bring up that window, it would say like, hey, you want to find something? Here you go. Mm-hmm. the whole thing was just very very nice and it was very welcoming as on, on both sides like looking for guilds looking for or, or like running a guild and trying to recruit people like it was they easy. had people you designated as recruiters that you could just click a button it would automatically send messages to them so you could like chat with them before you if you were interested like ah uh, and the fact that this came out in 2004 and every game since then has had worse systems is very, very <laughs> frustrating. <laughs> that, that's the no. problem when you come across a really cool system in a game and nothing else picks the, up on it. No one ever steals the good one. <laughs> like, why does no one take this one? This one's great. 
And I mean, it's just so silly to me because like being a part of a good community or easily having the ability to like find like-minded people, right? It is mm-hmm. only a boon to player retention in a game. I mean, think about how many people will stay in a game because they like their guild, even if they don't necessarily love all the new content and stuff that's coming out for a game. Or, um, you know, I know a lot of people in World of Warcraft who are like, I've been with my guild for 15 years or something. You know, I, yeah. I didn't want to leave. And it was really hard for me because I couldn't decide if, you know, I liked the recent expansions and things like that. Um so not everybody is going to want to engage with guilds, which is totally fair and absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. You might not feel like becoming a part of a free company. You might want to play by yourself. But if you enable players to like rally around facets of the game and to very easily meet people, um, that sustains them longer term in in a game. Of course, there's always the potential that you end up in a group or a free company or a guild that like really isn't great for you and you have a really negative experience. But um, again, even then, I think that having easy tools to like look for a new group, to look for a new guild, to know that there's so much more out there, it helps you because then you don't feel like it's this huge daunting task again to be like, Oh, well, now I got to try and search for a guild that has the same things that they like to do that I like to do. And, you know, and it's I think that it just enables people to get more connected to the game on a lot of different levels. So, um, yeah, a lot of games need to polish up various elements. And I agree. I don't think we've really seen any MMO right now that has a like phenomenal system for it. Um, like some good, like bits and pieces from different ones. Guild Wars exactly. 2 does do like the unique raiding items. Like if you raid as a guild mm-hmm. and you're repping your guild, you get like these special unique trophies and things for killing various bosses that can go in your guild halls and all kinds of things like that. And special rewards that you get for guild currencies and guild missions. But um, even that content hasn't been touched for a really long time. So uh, it's interesting. Yeah. As social tools and MMOs, you would think being an MMO, which is a highly, highly social game, even though you don't have to play socially if you don't want to, uh, you'd think they'd have better social tools. <sighs> Very off topic, but I think one of my favorite features, way, way back when, uh, when I was playing Rift, uh, they added the ability that you could tweet directly from the game. Yep. And that was beautiful. That was awesome. I remember that. That was so good. And, oh, my favorite part was that if you did something really cool, you could instantly tweet out like the thing you did, it would like attach a photo of the well, whole thing. Like if you did like an achievement or something, it would yeah. tweet out your your screen at the moment when you got the yes. achievement automatically for you. It was great. Yeah, that it, is it, so cool. If you got like a like if you were the because Rift had a lot of like uh, world puzzles, uh, like instead of like they had jumping puzzles and yep. world puzzles, and if you were the first person to solve a world puzzle, it would take the screenshot and say "world first" and tweet it out. <laughs> it was great. That is actually exceptional. I wonder like how much, you know, modern platforms and companies, right? Making deals between these like mega companies, I'm sure is such a thing now. It's like, it's so difficult to navigate in terms of service in either way and how you reinforce. Like Guild Wars 2 has an in-game wiki function. So you can like type backslash wiki and then anything that you're curious about. And it will automatically pop up the wiki page for you Mm -hmm. about that topic. Um, you know, now we just got in 14 cool. things like the unending codex as far as kind of lore stuff goes yeah. um, and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm like waiting for an MMO to put some sort of like fully fledged discord integration into their guild systems or something or like to put, you know what I mean? It just yeah. seems like the potential is there 
stuff like that with like tweets and things. My gosh, I can't even imagine if we had that in 14. And yeah, they had like special fates or something that like if you got world first on that or you discovered this special thing on a map or like it would like people would go bonkers for that. Yeah. yeah. More like more like Odin stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You become Odin. Yeah. Uh, They haven't done anything like that since Odin though. It's a shame. Like, well, we did just get with the 24 man that, um, like soul summon thing where they are weighing the souls and they like manifest Mm -hmm. various players in the actual, um, you know, raid that become those enemies, which I thought was really cool, but I want them to do more because yeah, that (laughs) kind of thing is like so epic. I still, to this day, it's like one of my goals in the game to be Odin someday. (laughs) (laughs) One day. (laughs) Guild Wars 2 isn't enough. Now next next is Odin. (laughs) I like, I don't think, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if 14, I don't think that they would ever actually put a canonical nod to content creators in the game for a lot of reasons. But um, we even, I think like Blizzard had some sort of huge controversy as well, where they had put like a a nod to a creator in the game. And then that creator did something like really awful at some point. I don't remember what it was, Mm -hmm. but there was like a whole legal debacle because of that and having to figure out like, (laughs) well, we can't have this in the game anymore and all kinds of stuff. So like, Square Enix is so conservative about how they do a lot of things like that and so tightly controlled over a lot of their um, uh, titles, you know, for good, like for good. And, you know, sometimes, you know, maybe a little bit for bad, but, you know, in the sense that like they want really strong control over their products, even with add-ons not being something that's, you know, fully robust within 14 versus many other MMOs. Um, But it would be cool if they did, you know, (laughs) like there's so many people um worldwide that have contributed to the game and it'd be fun to see little things like that or yeah you, yeah. i know like warcraft is that if you didn't get a like npc named after you they would name like an item after you which i think is almost the safer option sometimes because it's like all right because if somebody did something bad rename the item and that's it like now that's just the thing so uh so I I'm I'm excited I'm excited for MMOs I'm excited for the future of MMOs Quentin Quentin knows I'm excited for like Ashes, uh, Ashes of Creation. I'm interested in looking at and uh, Pantheon: Rise of the Fallen, which is Brad McQuaid uh, RMP, like his game that's going to be coming out hopefully very like next couple of years. So, uh, so I'm excited. I'm excited maybe. to see what. Yeah, maybe. Well, I think I think it is coming out. I think it, it will. Like that's. I don't think that's not. Oh, it'll it'll come out just in the next couple of years. Next couple of years, not not this year. <laughs> Still, still early I, alpha. So, so too soon. <laughs> yeah, too soon. Uh, well, uh, we're gonna have to have you back on to talk more MMOs and Guild Wars Two and everything else. I, I think we could have like an eight-hour discussion <laughs> about all things gaming. I think we could. I literally looked at the clock and I was like, oh "My gosh, has it really already been two hours?" I know. Yeah, I, know. I looked at it and I was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> we generally I, we talked about it before. Like, we generally try to keep our shows to about an hour, maybe an hour and a half if things are going well. When it goes over that, you know the conversation's been great. It's been really good. <laughs> yeah, I would love to talk more. It's been so fun hearing about both of you, too. And I'd love to hear more about your experiences in MMOs, because obviously you have a ton. And even hearing back, I mean, gosh. have been around a lot. Yeah. A lot. And you said you were doing podcasts even before. Like, how long have you been podcasting, both Oof. of you? Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> uh, 
So this is my technically my first podcast on air as a personality. Mm. Before this, I've been involved more on the tech side of fan sites. Uh, so before this podcast, I was actually on a briefly on a, a Guild Wars Two podcast, uh, which happened around launch, and uh, that I think I was on one of the episodes, and I think it had four, and then uh, all of us had many other things going on, so we kind of disbanded at that point. But we had a really really cool website, <laughs> and. Uh, before that, I was working on a. Uh, well, I did the technical work for a one of the the premier uh, Rift po- uh, podcast. Um, wow. One of my friends ran that, so I helped her run that, and we did. We grew really. That was a that was a really fun project. So I've been in this for about twelve years now, in various forms of like behind the scenes podcasting. Um, oh yeah, and of course there was the whole EverQuest Next and EverQuest Landmark, uh, which is where Peter and I actually met. Um, that happened in there as well. So, and that was uh, outside of that. I've done a lot of other like MMOs and games and stuff. I, Peter's done a whole lot more in MMO gaming than I have, but I, I've just been the podcasting side. <laughs> MMOs interest me. They're just a cool. Like I, I, I like to listen to MMO devs talk about like their work and like I remember when uh, the uh, one of the devs of Sword Tour did a, at a gaming conference did a whole conversation about how creating single player gameplay it was important in the MMO genre and this was years ago and like it, it was fascinating then to hear that and how much it's changed and it's like it's the future of MMOs like it sounds weird but like to get people in the door they have to feel safe and and it was such a smart thought process of it's not so it's social but how do you get somebody in the door to make them feel safe and then eventually get them to like essentially how do you get a wallflower to not be a wallflower and like that's what they think about now and i wonder like how our future everybody's going to handle that and think about that stuff like how do you get a wallflower to not be a wallflower so and final fantasy is looking at that stuff too so it's pretty cool yeah evercast was the name of the show yes (laughs) (laughs) well Yes, that was Peter's last podcast. One of the many. Uh, then Lou Table. Yeah, I know. I had a lot of podcasts. Uh, anyway. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, yeah. it's a whole history of games and talking about games. And podcasting, I think, is such a an incredible expression of passion for games or a topic or topics mm-hmm. that people love. So I'm so glad that you've both been in the space for so long. And it's awesome to see you in Maelstrom. And gosh, yeah, close to 200 episodes. So you've been doing that for like a little bit or something, you know? Yes. <laughs> well, we, we, we took it six years, but we did have a whole year off that we took for mental health breaks. So yeah, very important, very needed. And then we came yeah. back and uh, we tried, tried some stuff. It didn't work. So we went back to our roots. Yeah. And apparently, if you do your roots, you can just do whatever you want, and people still. <laughs> if you try to do whatever you want, no, nobody likes it. But if you if you go back to your roots and then do whatever you want, people stay around. That's what we learn. <laughs> you're shaking your head. Yes, you're like, you know what? He's right. It's crazy. But <laughs> <laughs> well, Rook, can you tell people where to find you and all the things you do across the internet? Yeah, the- absolutely. Sorry. I was going to say, they can definitely find you in Guild Wars 2 right? <laughs> at all times. Oh, I mean, yes, you can find me 24-7 if you have the Arbor Stone Mastery upgraded all the way in the latest expansion. 
Find me hanging out in the Kestrel archives. Uh, always there. I won't say much, but you'll find me there. Um, no, I am findable everywhere else on the internet outside of game uh, at Rookery. So R-O-O-K-U-R-I, uh, Twitch and YouTube primarily if you're looking for my actual gaming content. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, I'm usually live on my own channel two to three days a week. Uh, Fridays, I'm on the Lightbringers Guild Wars 2 podcast with some wonderful, wonderful creators. Uh, Saturdays, I am on Aetherite Radio, which is Gamer Escapes Final Fantasy 14 podcast. Uh, and then as well, lots of bonus stuff, uh, lots of other things coming up. Uh, additional podcast appearances like this one thank you so much again for inviting me it was so great to get to talk with you and like officially meet you both um and doing a lot of other casting shout casting uh tournaments and you know hopefully other opportunities with that as well um some other stuff coming up too so be sure to check that out and uh on my youtube which is also rookery uh we have all sorts of content playthrough stuff uh, my big feelings on display for everybody the how much of a hot mess i can be while playing video games um, as well as some deep dive lore videos, which I'm hoping to continue to add to. Um, they just take a long time to research and write and record and do everything. So I'd really like <laughs> to add some more to that. Um, but we have lore videos. We have my media tour footage. Um, we have uh, the cover of Answers that I did dressed as Vinat. We have um, all kinds of stuff up there. So if you're curious and you want to see even um, stuff about Guild Wars 2, Final Fantasy 14, as well as things like my first ever time playing through the Halo games, which was, <laughs> I've never laughed so hard or died so much. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff up there, um, but no matter what we're playing, we're always having a good time. Uh, so yes, Rookery everywhere. The only exception is Twitter, where it is Rookery underscore. Uh, we feel your pain uh, <laughs> i know like there's a suspended account that has rookery and i couldn't believe every other platform rookery is spelled with the uri is available and it's just twitter where there's a suspended account and i'm like please just give it to me twitter please yep. just let me have it we know the pain <laughs> <laughs> everywhere else maelstrom radio twitter maelstrom underscore radio why? In person, they never used it since like 2001 or whatever. <laughs> they have to come up with a better system for <sighs> relinquishing names. That's a whole other thing. We could do an entire podcast about that. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous to me. It's like every other platform, you can contact somebody and be like, hey, here's my brand. Here's all my stuff. Twitter, it's like, good luck. Yeah. Maybe they'll get back to you, but never. They never, never. do. So. <laughs> Gotta get the yeah. I got an inside person in there, just like personal contact. Technically, the inside person is pretty active on Twitter. You just, just tweet at him now. Someone that actually knows what's going on. <laughs> All right, fair, good enough. Uh, we have gaming streams here at Twitch.tv forward slash Maelstrom Radio Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. Uh, so you you can catch all catch us doing things. Uh, coffee, cast, and chat coming back on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, that's uh, my Stardew stream. Woo! Yes, it is. Uh, episode one ninety four happens on Friday, May thirteenth at six p.m. Pacific, nine p.m. Eastern, and two a.m. BST. Uh, bring your black cats. Bring yeah, and your hockey masks. So. Cover all the bases. Uh, when we reach 777 followers, there will be Kigurumi stream, and we will gladly wear them whenever we hit 777. Uh, even even if it's hot out in print. Oh no, <laughs> Susan, Susan's changing your scripts now. Oh no, like, not when it's hot. Okay, we're just now. Just it's just, it. Oh no, that's gonna be a warm stream. Oh boy. All right. Well. <laughs> 
Uh, well, <laughs> uh, I guess. I guess. <laughs> like, um, I do have to. I have to ask. Do you both know what the kigus are going to be that you're going to have, or is this going to be? We both have uh, them. We both have them. I know what mine Peter's is. announced his. I have. I haven't told anybody. Not even Peter or Susan knows what mine is. We do not know. Sitting mine, in my closet. I've tried it on before. It's nice. Yeah, my, mine's a Snorlax Kigu. What? Yeah. I love it. Yeah, the resident bear man. So. <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't go with Ursa Ring? <laughs> it was easy. Susan, listen, dear lovely Susan, our producer. I came home and Susan's like, I got you a thing. <laughs> and 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 it was the Snorlax Kiku. <laughs> so, Jeff's kiss. Fair enough. 10 out Very of 10. Good. Yeah, Very 10, good. 10 out of 10 best partner. So. <laughs> uh, well, as always, if you don't know, now you know. Till sea swallows all. Keep listening. Maelstrom Radio is brought to you by MaelstromRadio.com and Blackfire Media. Produced by Flattis Shintier and Susan Sprinkle. Join us live Friday, 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern at twitch.tv slash maelstromradio. Send email to show at maelstromradio.com, tweet us at maelstrom underscore radio, or join our Discord at maelstromradio.com slash discord. Views and opinions expressed by our hosts and guests do not reflect the views and opinions of any companies discussed on today's show. 